the gun, take the cannoli. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant, you can call him Chip, and today we are talking about Episodio 3 through Episodio 5 of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Uh, what's this one called? Golden Wind. <laughs> it's new! I'm... It's new. It's a new JoJo. I haven't built up the muscle memory in my mouth. My mouthful memory. Mm-hmm. I forgot that um, a bajillion people get introduced at a certain point in this, so we got a lot to cover. Uh, so, we're starting off right away with episode Episodio 3, Meet the Gangster Behind the Wall, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we're picking up right where we left off with Giorno telling Bucciarati, like, hey, I'm, I'm so sad he doesn't say this in the dub, it's only in the, in the subs where he says, I want to become a gang star. But also, you're my best friend now, let's go kill your boss, and Bucciarati's like... Yes, actually, <laughs> yes. He's Bucciarati is going through this almost the exact same thing that Speedwagon went through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He got beaten up by a guy who appears to be so noble in his cause. It's like fuck it. I guess I'm changing my entire my entire <laughs> uh, life around just mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. this guy. And you can tell he's a good guy because like he gets hit with a soccer ball and he just gives it back to the kids playing nearby and doesn't make a big deal out of it. Yeah. And then says, hey, Giorno, I'm going to get you initiated into the gang. But just so you know, if anybody finds out why you want to get in my gang, I will have to kill you. And you just got to <laughs> deal with that. Yep. Giorno's just like, yeah, it's fair. Quote, a traitor stands alone on an island of isolation. <laughs> yeah. Bucciarati has bought into the the dream that Giorno has here and uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. of a mafia that doesn't sell drugs to children that is the one thing that really sets us apart from the other gangsters (laughs) so yeah we we head on into the OP uh, and when we're back out uh, Bucciarati is just kind of giving Giorno the rundown on the entire operation of the mafia gang he is in yes their, their familia, that the organization is named Passione, and he explains to a native speaker of the Italian language <laughs> that that means passion. Yep. What could Passione <laughs> mean? It's spelled so much like another word, but I just can't... Mm. But what this means is that, like, in the reality of this scene, uh, uh, Bruno would be saying, my good friend Giorno, my gang is called Passione. It means Passione. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they, they are in charge of basically all of the industries of, of Napoli, both the legal and illegal, because they, they are pulling all the strings, right? Mm-hmm. And nobody knows the name or the face of the big boss they're, they're after. Uh, uh, he, we presume it's a he, but uh, I, like everything goes out through uh, uh, secret orders to his most trusted lieutenants, who then distribute things to uh, the capos, who sort of manage day-to-day affairs. Mm-hmm. And below the capos are all the individual gangs, like Bruno's gang, who we're about to meet, and a whole bunch of other teams that all have their own specialties and their own territories. Yeah, like, there's the assassination gang, there's the, the narcotics gang. Selling drugs to kids gang, yeah, we gotta yep. take those guys out. Yeah, those guys specifically really suck. Uh, as they're walking and talking, Bucciarati is, is taking Giorno to where the capo that he answers to is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he get initiated into this gang, and they walk to a prison. Yes, and they are going to meet Polpo. Polpo is their capo, who's going to give basically a, a job interview. And Giorno's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, cool, cool. Anyway... 
what's the deal with stands? How many all got st- <laughs> what what is stands? I still don't know. <laughs> yeah. Is it just us two? Is it everyone? Tell me what a stand is. I must know. Does this guy have a stand? Is the interview fighting a stand? And and Bruno assures him, like, okay, don't ask me any questions. Everything will be clear once you go through this test. Like, okay, all right, all right. Mm-hmm. So he goes into the prison, and Giorno is shocked to see that the prison guards all have automatic weapons. Yes, they're just strapped at all times. Also, just going to say, try to keep in mind what these prison guards look like in part five. So that when we get to the prison guards in part six, eventually we can do a fun little comparison. I I will say these are all normal human beings. Some of the most normal human beings we've seen in all five parts. Yep. They're just people. The the most remarkable feature you get on any of them is just that the lady prison guard who is patting Giorno down and and body searching him kind of has like tiny eyebrows, but that's it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pretty standard rules like you might expect. You can't, he cannot bring anything in. He's getting a pat down to make sure of it. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's not allowed to bring anything out. And uh, uh, he's like, wow, these guys seem really serious. Uh, uh, From the way Bruno talked, it's like Pulpo is running this place from the inside. Like he doesn't, he could walk out of prison anytime he wanted. He just doesn't want to because it's chill for him in here. But like, Wow, these people are like doing real prison guard shit. That's a little shocking. <laughs> Must be because all the cameras and they still got other people to answer to too. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. And so he, yeah, he is told like, okay, walk down this hallway on your left. That's where he'll be with like neon green haunted yes, lighting. <laughs> I love the lighting in this hallway. How much is the mood lighting costing the average Italian taxpayer? Come on now. Yeah. And Jarno's just like, oh, I'm not being escorted. And they're just like, no. And they just slam the door behind him. And inside, he sees a large prison cell that is not covered by iron bars, but rather just a big plexiglass sheet. It, it's very Silence of the Lambs, I guess. Yep. Inside is a stark white room with like exposed toilet and, and all the things that you would expect a prison cell to be, except that the bed is huge and incredibly ornate. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's it's covered in bright yellow sheets with, with this like green embroidery and trim. Mm-hmm. And then the bed grows a hand. Oh my God, that's not a bed. That's a man. That is a living man. <laughs> he, yes. Uh, the largest uh, normal quote-unquote human being we've seen in jojo this This is not a normal human being pulpo is the king of the trolls he has black sclera he's not a human being yeah okay actually he has a voice filter on his voice too to to make him (laughs) sound a little demonic this man if he were standing straight up would probably be like 10 or 12 feet tall and he can't because he's in a, a cell. Yeah. He has a roof over his head. We will never know how large he is. Yeah. His head alone is at least 250 pounds of meat. <laughs> he's very big. He's a very big man. I just like that Pulpo can lay down in such a way that he becomes the perfect shape of a bed. This is not a standability. He's just huge and can He could just be rectangular all of a sudden. Yeah. So yeah, this dude just transforms from bed mode into human mode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it it makes the the like transformer noise and everything. <laughs> 
Uh, but he's going to do some Sherlock Holmes style deductions on Giorno and see uh, uh, his handedness and that he got uh, an injury uh, mm-hmm. to one of his hands. And Giorno's like, yeah, yeah, you got me. That's why I was holding my briefcase in my offhand. Mm-hmm. Good job. Mm-hmm. Now, polpo is the Italian word for octopus. Mm-hmm. Perhaps because he has his hands in everything. I don't know. Uh, But uh, Pulpo's English voice actor uh, primarily works as a vocal director, including Uh. for uh, uh, the currently running Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, wow. Uh, while his Japanese voice is Ryoma in the Get a Robo franchise ever mm. since Get a Robo Armageddon in the 90s. Oh, wow. Okay. So if you want to hear him scream a lot, boy, boy, can you. <laughs> uh, he also voiced Oron in Final Fantasy X and oh, dubbed shit. for Abraham Lincoln in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. <laughs> Good. I also just want to point out Pulpo's hat. Yeah. <laughs> so he's wearing a hat that. You uh, could call it that. The best way you can describe it is what if you snipped off the top portion of the world's largest pin cushion and threw mm. that on top of somebody's head? Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. It, it's just this red thing on top of his head with these big gray things sticking out of it that are shaped kind of like if you stuck pins into something, but... Uh, uh, or you snip them off of a hairbrush. Oh, yeah, yeah. But Popo is, is making some of these observations about Giorno. Pulpo also, uh, at the same time, is uh, opening his little mini fridge. I really think mm-hmm. this guy needs a normal man, uh, a normal size fridge for just how large he is. Uh, but he pulls out a, a nice like Chianti, and he's just like, "Ooh, you like wine?" And <laughs> and, and he starts talking about all you know the finer things, how how good crackers are with just the right amount of caviar, and blah blah blah, and like, dude. Dude, if you're so fancy, why are you keeping your Chianti in a fridge? <laughs> yeah. The proper serving temperature is 60 degrees, so it can warm up to 65 in the glass. You fool. Uh, you utter moron. This dude's a whole this dude's a poser. Maybe if it's a specific wine fridge, sure, but no. Yeah. He's keeping like his cheese and shit in there. Yeah, there's like fruit in there too. And then while he's drinking the Chianti, he pulls out a little remote control and pushes a button. And you think, oh, he's going to have like a, a big screen TV hidden away in here. But no, it just lifts up a secret compartment in the wall of his jail cell that's full of guns. Yes, guns and records and a teddy bear. Uh, because he expects people that come to meet him to bring a gift, even though that is expressly against the enforced rules of this prison. There's also a grenade in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> One grenade. One grenade, one teddy bear. We have balance in all things. Yeah. Uh, so so he's like, hey, uh, Bucciarati already told me all about you. Like, wait, when? Because it seemed like they walked directly <laughs> here from that overlook. Telepathy. So he, he's having this chat. He's having a snack. He bites two of his own fingertips off to eat his crackers. Yep. They reappear later. This is also not part of his standability. He could just do that. <laughs> yeah. It's just Jorno's just like, did I just hallucinate him eating two of his fingers off? Ah, whatever. My dream. My golden dream. And so, yeah, Pulpo is, he, he's beginning the interview. And he's just waving this lit lighter around, not referring to it at all, to the point like I'm, where I'm thinking, but you, you're not smoking. 
what are you doing with that? And mm-hmm. it go- the scene goes on for a while before it is explained. Because first, Jarno has to display his gifts that he brought. Uh, uh, he picked the lady guard's pockets while he was getting a pat down, and he just makes it shower cash. Yeah, her, her ID, the large amount of cash she had in her mm-hmm. wallet. I suppose if all these cops are like dirty cops or whatever, then they're probably getting lots of bribes that they have on hand. So sure. That makes sense. Sure. Sure. Yeah. No, nobody, uh, nobody pays a bribe with a check. Uh. Yeah. Popo is, you know, very impressed in, in this, but he's just like, also, uh, I don't think that's enough. So Giorno says, ah, 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 well, I brought you something else. Entertainment. And he does the ear trick again, just shoves <laughs> yeah. his whole ear inside his ear. Yep. And it's just like, <laughs> and he's just like, mm, okay. Popo begins to talk about like, okay, all this stuff is, is pretty nice, but there's something even more important to have if you're going to be initiated into this gang. Uh, and it's trust. Can I trust you? Trust is way more important than, than skill and value, which is what Giorno was trying to demonstrate. So yes, the, the test of trust is to keep this lighter that Polvo has lit lit for a 24-hour period, to, to come back with the flame still still going tomorrow afternoon. Yep. It's just like, you, yeah, the, the trust here is to show that you can do what we're asking of you, even when there are no, none of our eyes are on you. He shares a little Thomas Fuller quote to that effect. Sure, why not? We, we all love theologians from the time of the English Civil War. <laughs> Can't get enough of them. Yep. You, th- you think uh, the, the current test for people trying to get into Passione these days is like a solar-powered light bulb? You think mm. they're really worried about emissions these days? <laughs> Look, even if you're doing crimes and stuff, you got to do just enough to keep people from being pissed off at you. And this is an easy way to get people on your side. Surprisingly, Pulpo just has like a big, like a little window way he can op- open up to pass objects through. Like, Well, they got to feed him somehow. I guess they got to feed him somehow. But I'm just surprised he can open it on his end. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> He's Pulpo. He can have a gun true. and a grenade in there. <laughs> it's true. He puts the lighter on there, and he's like, "Okay, yeah, you got to keep this light for twenty four hours. And even if some real something really bullshit happens, it's out of your control. That takes. God damn, I'm yawning a lot today. Thanks a lot, daylight savings. If anything bullshit happens to you, that's just like, ooh, a big gust of wind happens, or it starts raining like the instant you walk outside, or you sneeze and it takes the flame out, like." That, that ends the test. You're still fucked. Like, Jorno mm-hmm, mm-hmm. begins to reach out towards this lighter, and even just the slight movements of his hands to grab it is is pushing the flame around, and it's it's very stressful for Jorno immediately. He's already sweating. So so he takes it, he, he walks down the hall, he gets out to the sh- security checkpoint, and the these cops aren't as dirty as you might think. They are not in on this <laughs> test. They take the rule very seriously. You aren't allowed to get anything from Pulpo. So the beginning of Giorno's test is how to smuggle a lit lighter, a flaming lighter out. <laughs> yes. And uh, and that's when we get our, our uh, mid-episode title card. It's Echo Zack 3. Nice to see you. Mm-hmm. So Lady Guard is like, hey, I'm going to feel your whole body and I'm going to grab any lighters you have, basically. <laughs> Jorno currently just has the lighter in closed in one one fist at, with you know the flight just ba- the flame just barely poking out from the top of his hand mm-hmm. and there's like smoke c- c- 
coming out of it. And she she continues to search him and she never gets to his hand. She gets like up to his wrists and she's just like, all right, yep, you're cool to go. Psych, but not until you show me your your palms. Ah, <laughs> ah. And so he opens his hand and reveals a lovely, delicate flower. Ah. And apparently that's okay. There's a, there's an exception to the rules for lovely, delicate flowers. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, it's just a flower, whatever. I don't care. Go ahead. You're good to go. And as he leaves the prison outside, you know, where the wind lives, Jorno, you fool, <laughs> uh, it, it turns back into the, the lighter and one of the petals turns back into the flame. Hooray. Yep. Jorno's on his way home now. To, to the dorm he lives at and mm-hmm. everyone suddenly wants favors from jo- from from Giorno here it's just like hey we're a dozen men stacked up in a pyramid can you please press the button on our camera to take a picture of us no hello I'm an old man <laughs> with 13,000 brooms and I'm gonna clean the entire world can you help me no <laughs> <laughs> so he's walking back to the dormitory where he lives, I guess. Yeah. I guess Giorno goes to a boarding school of Maybe? some kind. Maybe. Uh, and he decides to, to make a little shelter for this flame and, and camp out watching it through the night. And step one is putting this lighter inside a small loaf of bread. <laughs> yep. He just bit, takes a big chomp out of it and, and jams that that lighter into this loaf of bread to like stabilize it because much like his father he he asks us the viewer how many breads have you repurposed into housewares <laughs> so yeah he, he puts that bread on a plate and then puts that on a table and just surrounds it with tons of random objects to block wind and to keep stuff from touching it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's when koichi tracks him <laughs> down oh yep. sorry go ahead uh, i should mention there's just a uh, there's a shot when he's just like looking out his window after he's he's set up his little shelter and he's got cans of sprite in the background and they are huge <laughs> they are like the size of now are forearm. they cans of sprite or are they cans of sprite mm. let me double check because we see Sprite later with a, a letter A inserted. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, this one is called Spread. Oh! <laughs> but it's clearly meant to be Sprite. These cans are larger than the loaves of bread. These are like 24-ouncer <laughs> cans or something. They're huge. They could just get Sierra Mist. They are tight with the Pepsi people. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Koichi is here. He's just barging in, just opening Giorno's door, not knocking. Because he's here to search the room of the guy who robbed him, like, he he really wants his passport because he can't wait the two weeks to have it reissued at the embassy or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And so Giorno just disappears like Batman. It's, it's unknown where he is for a moment mm-hmm. while Koichi starts to flip the room. I'm like, dude, he said your shit is gone. If you make him say it again, you will die. That's how this guy works. <laughs> Yes, Koichi is doing the JoJo thinking out loud a whole lot while searching the Mm -hmm. room so that Giorno can figure out what the fuck this little tiny man is doing. And Giorno is revealed to be just outside his dorm. Like, he he leapt Mm -hmm. out his window and just grappled onto the pipe that runs down the outside of the building. And he's thinking to himself about the vulnerability of uh, uh, the lighter he left behind and its flame that... Oh, quote, he'll just think it's a fire hazard. Yeah, he will, because it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so Giorno's just like, shit, I got to grab this lighter back somehow. 
here I go, golden wind, golden experience, <laughs> and gold experience <laughs> is the most bizarre thing. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe he's really the son of cars because he's yes. got all these animal powers. Yes. So keep in mind, Giorno can create life, but he can't command it what to do. Well, I mean, that's not true, though. I, he can make helpful suggestions, I yeah, guess. Yeah. None of the life he's ever made has done something he didn't want. Yeah. At least not yet. He, he can suggest things, but he can't, like, just assume manual control of whatever he makes so giorno punches a light switch does the light switch become some sort of crab or a bird (laughs) no no the waves of stand energy run through the light switch through the wiring into the lamp that is hanging down from the ceiling above the the bread and the lighter and that turns into a snake (laughs) and the snake then bites the bread to lift it away and take it off to eat the bread. You know how snakes like to eat bread? <laughs> it's their favorite. <laughs> but the snake is a, is a silly, stupid snake because uh, uh, curling around the flame, the snake has now burned itself. And so the snake drops the bread <laughs> and the, the, the lighter falls at an odd angle. Uh, so it is now no longer safely nestled among these desk objects. It is leading against the sort of small uh, uh, paper file sort of like drawer thing where where Giorno keeps his important documents Mm -hmm. that is now beginning to burn and singe. This is what draws Koichi's attention (laughs) because he finds his passport in there starting to burn. And so he, he grabs it and smacks the flame out, not paying attention to the lighter lit behind him which gives Jorno time to to reach in and grab the lighter without even being seen because he's the world's greatest pickpocket yep yep and so now koichi is just holding a piece of bread with a, a, a chunk bitten out of it and he's like i thought there was a lighter here well i got my passport dope <laughs> Oh man! And so Jorno's got the got the snakes lighter. don't eat bread. They snakes don't. don't eat snakes bread. don't eat bread. <laughs> Look, Jorno's only fifteen years old. They haven't taught that yet in school. You don't learn that until the snake would know. <laughs> this is not an actual rule of golden experience, but just imagine if it's like the animals you create with this power do what you think those animals do. <laughs> so if you're just the dumbest dude alive. And believe that snakes eat bread, that snake will eat bread. <laughs> can, can you imagine if Araki, like, cared about that and is like, yes. okay, so what Giorno does is he takes a steak out of the fridge and turns that into a lighter holder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Just just put the lighter in the body of a dead mouse. Hell yes. Yeah. Giorno's just leaving the entire building, and he's still got the lighter. The flame is still lit. He starts walking down the stairs. He went up earlier in the episode, and out of nowhere, he gets splashed with a torrent of water, extinguishing the flame. Mm-hmm. From that ancient janitor. Yeah, the, the, the Koichi-sized old man janitor. The flame is extinguished, and the this old man janitor is just like, Oops, I'm extremely interested in this lighter. <laughs> I can fix it. It probably works like lighters do. 
<laughs> push the button on it. <laughs> and it turns out he's right, but it nearly burns his face off because an eight foot jet comes out when he relights this thing. Yeah. Maybe that's the test. If you come back with third degree burns, Polpo knows you fucked up. Before he lights it, there's a bit where the old man is just like, I can fix it. And <laughs> he holds the lighter up to his ear. And he's just like, the f- I can still hear the gas coming out or whatever. And Jorno finds this very ominous. And he's just like, oh, shit. Does this mean the test isn't over? <laughs> and after, yeah, like the old man lights the flame, a huge jet comes out. And Jorno's just like, this is fucking weird. And then when he looks up straight ahead, the, a stand just walks by. <laughs> A very spooky stand. Yeah. Uh, a stand that seems to have a metal face wired together out of plates. Yep. Uh, uh, it's generally humanoid. It wears a big sort of shapeless flowy cloak and a giant padded hat. Mm-hmm. Kind of like it's it's wearing a, a big cushion for a hat. Yeah. It's got little little horns coming bending down out of its temples. It's fucking cool and spooky as shit. And yeah. it is never named in the episode. Yeah. This stand is one of my all-time favorite stand designs. He's just really cool looking. He's a Star Wars. Yeah. This he stand looks like, is a Star Wars. He looks a little bit like a Star Wars. Yeah, totally. And so this stand, like Jorno sees it, is like, what the fuck? And then the stand is just gone. It just like walked into a wall or mm-hmm, something mm-hmm. and disappeared. And then the stand reappears behind Jorno, grabbing the old man, or rather ripping the old man's soul out of his body. And grabbing the soul of the old man. Yeah. yeah. And he's just like, okay. He, he just says, you relit the flame. There are two paths to take. Prepare to be like tested or chosen or whatever. And uh, he mm-hmm, opens mm-hmm. his mouth and the stand giving arrow from part four just comes out of his mouth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And slowly just extends forward and pierces through the old man's head or the old man's soul's head. <laughs> Soul blood starts shooting out of his head, and the old man uh, goes cross-eyed because he just had his soul (laughs) pierced by an arrow, uh, and his soul rejoins his body, and he's dead. Mm -hmm, This mm -hmm. old man got mega killed. And that brings us to Episodio Quattro, joining the gang. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this begins with Giorno catching the dead old man's body as sirens announce sunset is beginning. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think these are diegetic sirens, but still. No. Yeah. This this stand uh, locks its eyes on Giorno now and says the same thing like, oh, that guy wasn't my target. You relit the flame. Uh, you've got two paths to, to, to choose between. And yes. he just... You, you can live as a chosen one or proceed down the path of death. Yep. And Giorno tries to, to dodge all these lunges uh, the stand is making at him, but it it's not good enough. He grabs Jorno's soul like via his foot and rips it out. And of course, because he's already mm-hmm. got a stand, his soul is golden experience. That brings the OP. So after that, gold experience is just getting suffocated, getting choked out. Yep. And blood is bursting out of Jorno's hand as gold experience is trying to like block the, the arrow and grab at it. Yeah. And this is when Giorno decides Pulpo is not a very nice man. <laughs> yes. Also, like, when, when Golden Experience grabs the arrow, like, grabbing it by the arrowhead, like, it's his Stan's hand just starts to, like, sizzle and burn <laughs> and smoke. <laughs> but yes, it's it's time to beat up this stand. Anyone who kills an old man sucks in Giorno's book. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as bad as selling drugs to kids. Yep. 
And so Jerome decides, you know what? If I just punch this stand of shitload, maybe uh, the same thing will happen where its senses get overloaded and, you know, it'll feel like it's getting punched by someone way stronger than me. Uh, so he lands a bunch of, uh, a big punch rush in, which because he's the son of Dio, instead of any yes. types of aura auras, he does Dio's muda muda muda. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he even has shown a, a tendency to, to uh, uh, use the word in, in dialogue, you know, translated as useless or futile. But like he's got that vibe going yep. aside from his stand's battle cry or rather in addition to. Yep. So yeah, he, he punches the stand a whole lot and, and knocks it several feet away. But as it gets knocked away, it just kind of fades away into the shadows and disappears. Yeah, it, it gets a screen wipe from uh, uh, that that uh, mop bucket spilling away. Yeah. Charles is like, oh, shit, where'd this dude go? And <laughs> as he's looking around, you get a close-up kind of like a, a profile view of Jorno's face. And you could just see a very small dent start to slowly form on his neck. And then, oh, shit... <laughs> The the stand is just behind Jorno now, uh, and it's got mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, he's it's got golden experience in like a headlock, and it's just trying to jab the arrow clean through its neck until the the shadows shift and the sun comes through, and it just sort of like sizzles this enemy stand, and and as it retreats away, yeah, this gives Jorno enough time to escape, and he just kind of like stumbles down the stairs. As he, he like lands at the bottom of the stairs, he notices he's in sunlight. There's a lot mm-hmm. of shadow creeping up behind behind him mm-hmm. because the sun is setting. And he just barely, with one finger, just taps the shadow. And then, boop, the instant he does, the stand appears right there. <laughs> this is around when Koichi comes downstairs. And he's still not entirely convinced Jorno isn't a supervillain murder man. Yeah. And seeing this old dead janitor is really not looking good. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, I saw you talking to that old man earlier when I when I was tracking you. Like, wait, wait a fucking second. You kill this old man? This is pretty suspicious. You gotta admit. And that's when the the mystery villain stand grabs Act Three out of him. Yeah, you. you while they're like arguing for a second there, you can see the stand approaching Koichi. Like you can see a two D like projection of him just on sh- on the shadows leading up the stairs, and he just like slides up them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He he grabs Echoes here, and Jorno uh, is just like, "Well, fuck, gotta save someone else now." Uh, and <laughs> so he throws Golden Experience at this stand, gets hurt in the process. Uh, he keeps trying to give himself stigmata with this arrow. I swear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, he gets hit in the hand with the arrow again, but in the process, he was able to strike the railing to the stairs here that's casting shadow and turns it into vines. Yes, yes. Vines of morning glories that then spread open and pull away to, to let the sunshine in and strike the stand and send it going back from whence it came. <laughs> yeah. And now Koichi's just like, mm, maybe he's not a serial killer. Hmm. <laughs> And Koichi's like, by the way, that bow, that arrow right there is really bad fucking news. We got to kill this guy right away. And Jorno's just like, hold mm-hmm. the fuck up. What's that arrow? Also, can you please tell me what stands are? <laughs> <laughs> so much of like this opening stretch that we're still in is really written in with the idea in mind that this could be somebody's first JoJo part. Yep. 
Like, we've, we're trying to explain what stands are through action, but we have our main character being like, if you don't get it, it's okay. Yeah, there's a lot, but we'll get there in due time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Koichi, yeah, Koichi does not feel there's enough time to explain any, any of this stuff. And like, mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. why should I be helping you or whatever? And they've also figured out the the basic like shadow transit uh, yep. uh, power of this stand. That the worst thing you can do is be in a shadow. Oh shit! The sun is getting closer and closer to, to the rooftops. Uh, uh, we're in trouble. Just go to a twenty four hour Walmart. Nobody <laughs> has shadows in a Walmart. That's You're true. fine. Yep. Like, Jorno convinces Koichi, like, okay, we're on the same side here for now. And he does this by explaining, like, yo, I've got hell of convictions. I have a golden dream, dude, and Mm -hmm. I got to see it through. I'm a nice guy secretly. And Koichi's just like, okay, fine. I'll explain what the arrow is, too, just a little bit as a treat. Now let's (laughs) let's figure out how to beat the shit out of this stand. Uh, And Koichi this being two years after part four now he's like the stand expert like jotaro was in the previous part uh Mm -hmm. and he's explaining like okay this is like a long range stand the easiest way to take care of one of those because they can be really strong is to just take out the user and jarno's just like well he's in prison that's not an option Basically, Koichi is using his uh, past experience being the one to outsmart sheer heart attack. Like, okay, this this stand is just operating under a few simple uh, uh, directives. That means it's dumb enough. We should be able to trick it with a proper plan. Mm-hmm. So, so what we're going to do is we're going to trap it into it in a shadow under our control. Mm-hmm. And so then we'll be able to, to put it in a spot and we take the shadow away and it gets fucking roasted in the sun. Yeah. Uh, this is Giorno's plan. It involves a Vespa because he is very Italian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They don't have much time because it's, it's getting later in the day. Off we go. Let's run over to this Vespa and, and try to get the stand over here. But uh, some some ravens or crows fly by, and yes. the stand hitches a the ride. The stand has hitched a ride in the shadow of these crows flying overhead, and and got the drop on our boys. Yeah, Nat, he has been able to use that to transfer himself to the shadow of a tree that Giorno is walking past, and mm-hmm. the stand reaches out from the ground, just grabs Giorno by the ankle and stops him. Yes, and well, it, it grabs gold experience, yeah, yeah. which in turn grabs Giorno. And as it, it has him, Koichi is, of course, dropping the three freeze to, to just like crush its hands, mm-hmm. like make its fingers so heavy it cannot lift them into a grip. Yeah. But he's afraid that between his power and the stand, who is not letting go, he's going to turn Giorno's bones into powder. Yeah. He will never, ever walk again. Yeah, and like this stand is still able to move more than it should be under three freeze. And Giorno remarks, like, well, it, there's a lot of shade around here. So maybe the more shadow he is in, the stronger he gets. But Giorno stops Koichi from releasing the grip, no matter what it, it might do to him, because this, this, he's got this guy right where he wants him. Yeah. Because, because mm-hmm. gold experience can supercharge something with life so much that it lives so hard <laughs> that it runs through its whole life cycle really fast. Yes. Yes. 
So suddenly <laughs> you just hear a snap and then a twig, like a tree branch falls in the background and the tree that is behind them casting the shadow here is, yeah, going through its life cycle f- so fast that it dies. And and just shatters to splinters. And I wonder if some of this is the whole like redirecting, but no, that's not how the redirecting things work. Mm-hmm. If, if that was part of this... Uh, it wouldn't be this enemy stand crushing the the weakened now elderly tree. It would be the stand crushing its own ankles. So that's not part <laughs> yeah. of it. He just makes the tree so old it disintegrates. Yeah, he he punched the roots in the the cracked pavement uh, where his ankles are, like the the pavement getting cracked by uh, the the weight of three frees. So he had access to the roots of the tree to punch. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Yes, the tree explodes, therefore getting rid of the shade being cast on the stand. It's getting roasted by the sun. And, and so, it's being pinned in place by three frees, so it can't, you know, shriek and shrink away. Yep. Before he actually goes in for the, the killing blows on the stand, Jorno asks Koichi, like, hey, can you just walk, like, two steps to the right? And he's, like, framing it with his fingers. like, mm-hmm. And then he's like, okay, yeah, that, that looks good. And then he punches the shit out of the stand. <laughs> So, so yeah, it sort of dissolves in anguish, and Jorno's like, hmm, I don't know if this counts as passing the test. Yeah. Hmm. So, so then we get a, a, a title card of the stand, which is the only way you would know, at least in the anime, that it is called Black Sabbath. Yeah, Black Sabbath. Very cool looking stand. And because it is never named outside this title card, you never have to deal with it being renamed Shadow Sabbath, which is not as cool. Not it's nearly as not. cool. Yeah. So after this little title card, uh, Koichi is running immediately to, to a payphone and be like, oh, fuck, there's another arrow. I have to tell Jotaro right now. This really fucking sucks. <laughs> this is so bad. Oh, my God. And then Jorno, like, uh, puts his hand on the... Uh, why can I not remember the, remember the name of the little thing? The little switch the phone rests on. <laughs> He, he just pushes that down so Koichi can't make a call. And he's just like, this has to be a secret between the two of us. You cannot tell anyone else about this arrow because if people start investigating this, I might get exposed and then the mafia will kill me. And keep selling drugs to kids. And keep selling drugs to kids. Koichi, drugs to kids, that's so bad. <laughs> and and like Jorno's drive to, to do this is so strong and 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 like noble that he is able to con- convince Koichi to not tell Jotaro about this for now. And so meanwhile, Polpo is eating a giant ball of dough. Yes, it's actually a pizza, but it's hard to tell because you only see the backside of it. Yeah, he's eating a pizza upside down, and it's such a a I guess flexible and stretchy pizza that it looks like it was not baked. Yeah. It was just sort of painted. On the bottom. <laughs> yes, please give me the rawest pizza you've got. <laughs> I only have artisanal raw pizzas. <laughs> give me the gooeyest dough. Oh, so so th- that is where Giorno finds Pulpo at three o'clock the next day. Mm-hmm. And, and Pulpo's like, hey, hey, buddy, I know you think that, you know, skills and value are, are you know, what, what we're looking for. But let me just reiterate, respect. Respect and trust. Respect is so important that it is the number one commandment. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Pulpo's God is one who would forgive murder against those who would disrespect you. It is absolutely paramount. 
Yep. That's just a bit of life advice he gives Jorno, along with a snazzy little badge. Mm-hmm. It's like the little, like, attorney badges uh, attorneys in Japan have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The whole time he is like talking about respect and all this, he's you know he's having more snacks after the the massive pulpo sized pizza. He's eating mm-hmm. an apple and a banana that he pulled out of the fridge. Like Giorno kind of eyes the fridge for a second, and he then goes to take the badge. And as he's like reaching out for this badge, he notices pulpo is his eyes are closed. He's taking a gigantic swig. He's completely distracted. And and so he does something with gold experience. Just keep that in mind for later. Yeah, you can see him just reaching with gold experience hand kind of towards where the fridge was. And that's all you know for now. So, so meanwhile, on the outside, Koichi has called Jotaro, uh, uh, but with, you know, a, a sort of Jorno-approved story to tell. Basically, like, hey, this this kid you're worried about, he's probably not going to conquer the world and plunge it into a new Dark Age. I'm, I'm like, pretty sure. He's chill. And, and if he does conquer the world, it, it, it'll be in a good way, <laughs> I, th- I think. He's got a good heart at the core of him, and Jotaro's just like, mm-hmm. how can you tell? And Koichi's basically, basically just says, I can see, he may be the son of Dio, but I can see like the, the honor and the beliefs and the, the good drive for justice of the Joe stars within him. And like you get to see part five versions of like old man Joseph mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. in here, just like floating in the sky as Koichi talks about this. It's like a part five style, but it's part three designs for Joseph and Jotaro. Yeah, yeah, which is wild to see. Koichi did not know these men. (laughs) He saw photos. I don't know. Uh, So, so yes, he is also thinking about Jonathan's balls. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and then he decides, quote, I'm long overdue for some sightseeing and just goes off on his merry way. (laughs) Yep, yep. Jorno's got the Koichi approved, you're a good JoJo stamp, so everything is good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he clicks his heels and, and goes off. Uh, uh, meanwhile, uh, Polpo is eating a banana. He's having a banana snack. And mm-hmm. as he peels his banana, the sound of a gun cocking is heard. <laughs> Yep. And that gives him a moment's pause, but not too much. So he puts the banana in his mouth, and the banana turns into a, bana- a banana gun. He's got a banana gun. Mm-hmm. He then shoots himself <laughs> with a banana gun. <laughs> yep, the, the banana turned into a gun in such a way that the thumb that was holding the banana in place is now exactly where the trigger is, and it's already been pulled. <laughs> and so Polpo blows his own brains out, but... Because he's a stand user, I guess that that uh, damage goes in the opposite way, too, because the arrow in Black Sabbath's mouth is also shattered, much in the way Pulpo's brains are, and falls into several chunks along the floor next to him. <laughs> yep. When you're seeing this happen, it's not just all in one go. It's Giorno is with Bucciarati, just like, yep, I got, I'm part of the gang now, and and they're walking and talking. But meanwhile, you hear like Giorno's inner thoughts talking about, you know, that lesson of respect that Polpo gave him, and it's just like, oh, respect, huh? Did you show any respect to that old man you fucking killed? Uh, <laughs> and Giorno just thinks he he he's thinking to himself like, could I ever do murder? Well, if we're th- talking about respect in the way Polpo is, 
I think I'm justified in murder here. And like it's cut <laughs> it's cutting constantly between Popo slowly eating this banana, cutting back towards Giorno with a very serious look on his face as he's he knows he's committed an act of murder. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's yeah, Popo <laughs> gets banana gunned. The old banana gun trick. I mean, he eats it in more ways than one. Uh, And and as this uh, uh, sequence finishes, Bucciarati has brought Giorno to meet his team of four stand user mafiosi in in a cafe. Get ready for the rest of the main cast all at once. (laughs) In Episodio Cinque, find Pulpo's fortune. Woo! Woo! (laughs) That's my favorite Italian game show. (laughs) So yeah, yeah. I, I misspoke earlier. This episode is the one that begins with Passione's corporate org chart. Yep. Uh, but but also we learn that Italian mafiosi hate attracting attention, which is why they wear their special badges. What? <laughs> wear it on the inside of your shirt. So so yeah, the plan is to to get to the boss. We need to get the boss's attention. To get the boss's attention, we have to rise to the level of capo, which means bringing in huge sacks of cash for the organization. Mm-hmm. And so in order to rise, we need the whole team to back us up. So yep. uh, uh the narrator introduces the capos across Italy gossiping about Polpo's death. And then voices one of the capos gossiping about <laughs> Polpo's death. Yes. This man is so many people across the history of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, he, he is. No one has done more voices in the show than him. He, he... <laughs> So, yeah, it's we eventually focus on two, two, two gangsters here talking about Polpo's death. At least with Pulpo dead, all the stuff about, you know, gangsters wanting to blend in is more true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, these guys dress weird, some of them, but not in a way that would make you think they're in the mafia. Yeah, yeah. Pulpo dresses weird in a way that makes you think he's in the circus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These guys, you just think, oh, okay, they like to go, they're in the club scene or something. I don't know. They, they they have very expensive haircuts and and uh, uh, very club forward tastes as they're yep. driving in this car, if you can call it that. Because the one that's driving does not want to. He's doing <laughs> anything but drive, yeah. and they keep nearly running into to traffic headlong uh, uh, as they weave into you know the, the oncoming lane. Yeah. So the guy who's driving. Uh, his eyes are slanted in a way that makes it look like someone was making him in a character creator and went, how far can I go to one extreme and rotated them in a real messed up looking way? <laughs> He's got no eyebrows. He has green hair that looks like if his hair was Link's hat. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And he's wearing, like, a skin-tight white shirt that would just be kind of a normal white shirt if it wasn't for the fact that his shoulders and arms have giant spikes on them. Uh, while while his friend, the passenger, who keeps reminding him, hey, look where you're fucking going, yeah. uh, is wearing most of a long shirt. Yep, the sides are cut out. Yes. So so you can see his obliques very well and and uh, a, a deep deep V. Yeah. Uh, uh <laughs> of of a sort of uh lavender or, or a very light purple uh, uh color and his special haircut is orange dreads. They yeah. they aren't knitted together, but they they are long separated individual locks that makes me think of 
how how are your dreads hanging together if they are not actual dreadlocks? How does <laughs> yeah. that work? And he's just wearing a hat that's kind of casting a shadow on his face. So you can't really get a good look at his actual facial features or anything. But they're both talking about rumors that have been around for a long time in, in Passione about how Polpo has a massive fortune. Not just a fortune. He has fucking pirate treasure. Yeah. He turned it into doubloons and gemstones. Yeah. The the rumors is if he converted it all into cash, it would be like 5 billion lire or something like that. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. it's so much money that not even all of it is invested in the mafia. Some of it is just his own personal cash he is and, and treasures he has hidden away. And also, people who are in the know about this are in the know that if Polpo shared his deep secrets with anybody, it's Bruno Bucciarati. Yep, he was like the most trusted dude. And hey, if I, the, the guy with the orange hair, orange locks, is like, damn, if I got to hold that money, I could instantaneously ascend to the rank of capo. And so the driver disappears, Yes, which, which again, is no change to how well this car is being piloted. Yeah. <laughs> Just accidentally playing chicken all across Italy. And, and so Orange Guy's like, oh, damn it, Zucchero, where did you go? Come on, we were supposed to be in this together. Yeah. Uh, so yes, Zucchero is the Italian word for sugar. Mm-hmm. He's a very sweet boy. We're we're going to be meeting a lot of characters. Well, there's still like band and music references throughout part five, for sure. We're going to be meeting lots of characters named after food. Yeah, apparently Bucciarati is named for an Italian cookie, like like mm. a name brand cookie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, let, let's meet the crew that uh, uh, Giorno is about to be introduced to. They, these are four guys sitting around a cafe table, just guys being dudes. Oh god, this is the most guys being dudes ever. They all have very loud personalities that are the first thing to strike us, even before some of them get names. Yep. So, in order, we have Narancha Girga, whose name means orange <laughs> and uh-huh. he is a grade school dropout that is trying to hit the books and, and learn something, uh, specifically today working on multiplication. He's probably the most androgynous JoJo's character to date. Yes. Like, I had seen this guy around. I thought we had a lady in the crew. Yep. <laughs> the dude's wearing a miniskirt. Like, I'm yeah. not crazy, right? Oh, no. Like, there, there's, yeah, he's very androgynous. Like, this is the twinkiest <laughs> JoJo <laughs> Ally? I mean, he's jacked. Like, for I mean, sure. he's jacked, but like, he's yeah, th- yeah. There is definitely a sizable amount of fans, specifically for Narancha, just for, from the the, the androgyny and, and stuff like that. There, a lot of people like, like Narancha. My wife would wear this outfit. Yeah, yeah. I've got to show you this outfit. I'm not wrong. <laughs> c- c- all right, c- come over here. Let's let's get this on recording <laughs> with slight alterations. No. Actually. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, let's compare it to this guy's outfit. Oh yeah, I totally wear the other guy's outfit first. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll talk about him in a second. <laughs> so yeah, Sarancha is wearing like okay, so like a black top, kind of like polnarefs, but with more straps that yes. are a, like there's shoulder straps, but additional straps that he's link. wearing a five strap tank top. Yeah, uh, uh, the two over the shoulders, and then the other three come to a collar around the neck. Yep, Narancha's got like a uh, kind of like an orange. It's not a hat. There's not enough there to be a hat. 
So it's like an orange headband, but it's got an additional band that goes up across the top of your, your head. Yeah, it's like someone said headscarf, and he thought, yeah, I got it. Yeah. And no. <laughs> yeah, like a big belt, kind of high-waisted, that leads to like this orange and yellow kind of plaidish mini skirt going over like these purple-ish pants. He's the scamp. He's oh, the youngest yeah. of the group, at least until Jorno joins. And he he's just a, a little shit stirring. I guess he's going to be the funny one. Naranchi. Naranchi. Narancha is like the little. <laughs> that's, that's, that's plural for oranges. <laughs> Narancha is like the little gremlin of the group, I suppose. If, yeah, if yes, every group yes. has to have a gremlin, Narancha is definitely that. Narancha's English voice was uh, Mikazaki in Iron-Blooded Orphans, so okay. so both the English and Japanese voices of that Gundam protagonist have been in JoJo's as different nice. characters. Nice. Uh, his English voice was also 9S in Near Automata and oh. Mob in Mob Psycho 100. Oh, that's why I recognize the voice so much. Makes sense. Yes, yes. All right. While Narancha's Japanese voice was Deku in My Hero Academia. Okay, yep. And dubbed the character of Newt in the Maze Runner trilogy. Oh, shit. Okay. So, Naranch's patient but not infinitely patient tutor in his, his learning is a, a Panacotta Fugo. I don't think I got to explain what Panacotta means in this naming <laughs> scheme. Yeah. And he is wearing a green business suit, but I don't know what kind of business he's doing. Yeah. Because there are huge circular holes cut in the pants and arms. Yep. It doesn't have a deep V, but it's got a really wide neck. It's got a pretty wide neck, and he wears it wide open below one button over the sternum to reveal that there is no underlayer. He's not wearing a shirt under this jacket, just a tie. Just a tie, a, a, like a purplish tie. With strawberries on it. Yeah. He's just green all the way down. Otherwise, his hair is kind of similar to that the, the orange guy in the car earlier. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of like a lighter orange uh, mullet with long bangs. And he's very patient and understanding and encouraging until Narancha does the wrongest answer in the history of multiplication homework, <laughs> and then he becomes incredibly violent and starts beating him for being so damn stupid. And in fact, just grabs a fork off the table and jabs it into Narancha's face. Just like stabs him in the cheek. So yeah, he's the he's the two boys in this boy boy of this part, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, Fugo's English voice has done a lot of like Power Rangers monster voices. <laughs> Huh, weird. And a few things in like the early Toonami uh, era of dubbing. Okay. But uh, his current work is much more as a voice director, including uh, 86, uh, the film Paprika, and Bobobo Bobobobo. Oh, shit. That must be a fun one to work on. While his Japanese voice is uh, uh, Yomagi, the protagonist of SSSS Dinazanon, mm. which I guess is the new show I'm going to keep talking about all the time. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's coming up a lot. Uh, and he dubs for Tom Holland. This this is oh, wow. Japan's Hollywood uh, Mr. Uncharted and <laughs> Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. The voice acting for him, like he has a very soft, kind-hearted voice until he doesn't. <laughs> Guy number three is Guido. Guido Mista. They just call yep. him Mista. Mista means mixed. It's supposed to be a reference to mixed salad, I guess. Yeah, or, or Mista, rather. That's right. It is an Italian word. Yeah. I should be doing better at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and he wears a crop top sweater with a 
with like a crisscross diamond pattern of white piping, mm-hmm. which is mirrored in his hat. <laughs> his hat that looks like it's worn in a dystopian sci-fi. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's like if you had a toque with like the ear flaps on it, kind of. But the the center bit that like right above where, you know, like the center of his face, it descends downwards in like an arrow shape. But yeah, it's like his shirt, his sweater is like, you know, white piping crisscross with blue diamonds. His hat is white piping with red diamonds on it with little circles in the center of each diamond. And he's got tiger stripe pants. Yeah, tiger stripe pants. And yeah, he's just got a whole exposed midriff. Mista here is immediately pissed off, not because his friend was g- g- uh, like getting stabbed in the cheek with a fork, but because the waitress has wheeled in cake slices for the four of them. So there's four cake slices. And this dude is extremely superstitious, and mm-hmm. he hates anything that comes in the number four. Because in Japan, you know, four is like the same same character as death. There's a whole superstition of four meaning death. That sucks. You either bring three cake slices or you bring five. You don't bring four cake slices. Take this shit back. Take one slice back. Please, God. <laughs> His English voice, we've met before. He's our mid-Michigan compatriot who, who was Superfly's guy back in part four. Oh, okay, cool. He also voices the great Deco Tree in, in Breath of the Wild <laughs> and uh, is currently dubbing uh, uh, the idol fanboy who wins the lottery in, in Odd Taxi. Mm, okay. Have you uh, checked out Odd Taxi yet? I have not watched Odd Taxi. I keep hearing it's really good. I am about two thirds through it uh, uh, and it is indeed really good. Okay. I got to check it out. Like the, the structure of the plot, just following these people as they keep running into one another uh, uh, and things are reverberating across the cast in ways that only the viewer can really understand. Mm. It's a lot of fun. It, it's very Coen Brothers. It's very uh, Tatami Galaxy. Ooh, I love Tatami Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I gotta check that out. While Mista's Japanese voice is, uh, again, back to Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans, the, the gangster and ultimate wives guy, Naze Turbine. <laughs> uh, also Zenos in Final Fantasy XIV and Little Mac in Smash Brothers. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fun. While Mista is freaking out about uh, the number of cake slices and uh, uh, Fugo is stabbing his friend for thinking that 16 times 55 is 28 somehow. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Fourth guy is just listening to his tunes and goes and grabs a piece of damn cake and and eats some quietly to himself. Fourth guy will not be named until the end of the episode. (laughs) Yep. He is wearing a a sort of deep V tunic top with a lace up front, which is laced pretty wide open, Mm -hmm. revealing his chest. Uh, And that is actually like a long coat that goes uh, down to the knees, is held together by a big buckle with with just a a circular A medallion. Mm -hmm. He's got probably the simplest outfit of the whole crowd, but he's got two-tone hair. Yep. Uh, that, that goes straight down in into, uh, re- resolves into downward pointing spikes around a, a little past shoulder length. Although the top is a big six or seven pointed star in a yes. darker shade of purple than <laughs> yeah. the rest of his very pale purple hair. Yep. Yes, this, this is Leon Abacchio. And he's the quiet one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Abacchio means lamb meat. 
mm. in Italian. I guess they have a word for for lamb aside from lamb. The, the same way we ha- we say beef instead of cow. Right. The Italians say abacchio instead of the the word for the animal. Mm, okay. And so while abacchio here is just getting a, ca- a slice of cake and drinking some tea or whatever, Narancia here has whipped out a, a pocket knife and is threatening to slit Fugo's throat for stabbing him in the face. And <laughs> this is this is where Giorno and Bruno walk in, and Bruno's just like, fucking shut up, stop being dudes. Uh, you're making a lot of noise in the restaurant. Here's the new guy. He's 15 years old. <laughs> Now, Abacchio's voices, you won't hear them much, relatively speaking at least, but uh, his English voice was Captain Zeon in Gundam Bill Diver's Re-Rise and Chief Wheeler in Lego City Adventures. <laughs> okay. He does not have as extensive a, a library as some of the others here. Yeah. While his Japanese voice was Grim Jow in Bleach. Mm. Uh, and as promised, Kenneth Slegg in uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Hathaway told you that it'd be coming back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he dubbed Bernardo in the new West Side Story if you want to hear him sing. <laughs> okay, cool. So, so yeah, as soon as Bucciarati, you know, breaks up the fight and is like, hey, this guy's Giorno. Meet him. He's on the team now. He, he gets dragged away to, to answer a phone call that, that came from here at the cafe. Because mm-hmm. I guess this is their hangout. People know this is where you find Bucciarati. Yeah. And yeah, so so Bruno's getting a phone call. We don't get to hear what what is being said on the other end. He is uh, getting some type of news on the on the phone because he seems shocked by it. There's an open window nearby where a very tiny old lady comes by and is like begging Bucciarati for help. Streganona herself has come to ask for a favor. <laughs> yes. Uh, meanwhile, quiet guy is peeing in the teapot at the table. A lot of pee. This dude was a holding lot- it in. <laughs> For like, he really had to go. This is and, a lot of piss. And all of the other members of the crew are like, yeah, yeah, pee in that teapot. Hell yeah. I love <laughs> this prank that I see coming. <laughs> so yeah, Giorno sits down and Abacchio is just like, hey, you want some tea? And so he pours him the hottest, steamiest cup of piss you will ever see. Uh <laughs> It's not clear whether Giorno knows exactly what's up, but he knows something's up. He knows that this is prank tea of one manner or another. Yeah. So there's a lot of tension, like, what, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Is, is he going to uh, be a spoil sport? Is he going to get tricked? What's going to happen? And so, like, with a wink, so they all know that he knows something's up, he downs this in a shot. <laughs> yeah, this dude d- does a shot of piss. And <laughs> everyone's just, like, shocked. And then they're like, whoa, that was sick. <laughs> How'd you do that? You did a trick, right? You didn't actually drink pee, right? And they're they're wondering if like, oh, does he have a stand? Is his stand's ability to like make a portal to nowhere in his mouth, which is a wild ass stand ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so what we know as the privileged viewer <laughs> is that Giorno has used gold experience to turn one of his teeth into a jellyfish. A, <laughs> And as we all know, jellyfish are 99% water, which makes them very absorbent. No, it doesn't. <laughs> They're already full of water. <laughs> but like Jorno is, is smiling and like, you know, like a toothy you smile. You drank the- pee and want to make us think you didn't. That's what happened. <laughs> 
I like the camera. Unless this wasn't a specially dehydrated uh, yeah. uh, jellyfish that you turned your tooth into, it didn't absorb shit. And also, even if it had, I saw how much volume that pee took up, and I see how big your tooth jellyfish is. Uh-uh. <laughs> no. It did nothing. It did nothing. You drank pee. Yep. But, like, the camera zooms in on Giorno's smile, and it looks like he just has a gold tooth until it zooms in further. And, yes, there is a a tooth-sized jellyfish in his mouth that is apparently full of pee. (laughs) (laughs) Bruno comes in, and he's like, hey, everybody, saddle up. We got a job to do. I'll tell you the details when you need to know them. Let's go. Yeah. And so as they they walk, he is thinking to himself about, you know, Giorno's powerful charisma. Like, wow, this dude immediately won over the whole crew. Perhaps he even has a sensuality you wouldn't expect from a man. (laughs) But Giorno, he is reflecting on Bruno's place in the neighborhood to himself as everybody waves at Bruno Bucciarati. Everybody's got a nice thing to say. Everybody's inviting him to, like, you know, have one at on the house at whatever their house happens to be mm-hmm. or, or, you know, come, come see my daughter, you know, whatever. Everybody loves Bruno. Yep. So, so now we learn what this old lady's job is that is unrelated to the job they're actually going to. Mm-hmm. See, this old lady is friends with another old lady whose son beats her because of the drugs. Ah, the drugs. Who is dealing these drugs? He's got to make sure that this old lady's son stops beating her. We hate drugs. All all <laughs> members of the mafia hate the drugs. <laughs> Bucciarati is like, he, was al- he had already bought into Giorno's whole mission here, but now that he's seeing like people from his own turf being affected by the drugs, he's like extra like, this sucks. We got to do something about this. And this isn't even selling drugs to kids. I imagine mm-hmm. this dude beating his mom is at least 40 years old. That's an old mom. Mm-hmm. So so then we get uh, uh, our mid-episode title card of just the gang hierarchy again, which uh, is presented as basically carvings in stone relief yes. in, in this huge... It is essentially a pyramidal structure, but it is arranged more like the, the fucking Acropolis or you <laughs> yeah. know the the Rome or a Roman temple yep. in in that style. So when we're back at the action, you know JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, people come for the the supernatural fights with nightmare logic, but they stay to see dudes waiting in line <laughs> at a boat rental place. Yep, that whatever this job is, they need a boat. Bista is merely like, don't pick boat number four. Fucking, I'll kill you. <laughs> While they're getting this boat, Narancha is being the little gremlin of the group, and he's grabbed every single snack that you can grab. Including, again, some cans of Sparite. <laughs> I love Sparite. <laughs> so so they head out on this, this yacht they've rented. They got a three-day rental for free, because everybody fucking loves Bruno so much. Mm-hmm. And all of their outfits are going to lead to some very interesting sunburn shapes. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the boat they're on is, is called the Lagoon 2. This matters. Mm-hmm. And everyone's, like, they're, they're pretty far out on the water now. Uh, Narancha is chilling out to music. He's listening on, to his headphones way too fucking loud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mista's nearby reading like a fashion magazine. And so he buys a Sprite off of uh, uh, Narancha because he's thirsty. And you know what? Maybe he should have got some snacks too. So so he buys a can off of him. And during this exchange, 
uh, uh, he like passes off the magazine to Narancia. So he has, you know, two free hands to like open the top and then hidden behind his own magazine, he pours the can out over the, the CD player, breaking it mm-hmm. to, to get some peace and damn quiet. Oh boy. These guys are always pulling pranks. Mm-hmm. And this is when Bruno tells everybody what the fuck they're out here for. <laughs> yep. This is that phone call that Bruno got earlier was him learning that Polpo has died. Giorno mm-hmm, mm-hmm. has still told no one that he's the one who murdered Polpo. <laughs> yeah, word on the street is that Polpo committed suicide because that's exactly what it looks like to all evidence. Yep. However, people who know Polpo, like all of these criminals, are like, there's no fucking way Polpo, no way in hell. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he did. So how do we square that? Ah, uh, who cares? Let's just get his money. Yeah, the, the mission here. Like, Bruno knows the location of Pulpo's treasure. Let's just go get all that cash and we'll immediately be like go up to the rank of Capo. Because this is actually worth 10 billion lira in, in yep. like fucking, again, gold coins and gems and baubles <laughs> yeah. buried on an island. Yep. Pirate Pulpo, yar. Uh, by the way, that's about 2.8 million in, in uh, US dollars, okay. at least by present exchange rates. I imagine in 1995 when it's written and 2001 when it's set, it's not that different. Yeah. Yeah, they Bruno has not been telling anyone what they're doing until this point because he is very paranoid of other people in the mafia spying on them to, to learn this info. And as uh, he's talking about it, Narancia, who is the furthest back from the rest of the gang, he's like on the very top of the boat, like mm-hmm. watching f- from afar while everyone else is like right next to Bruno. He seems to like fall over and trip. <laughs> and s- Yeah, yeah. But uh, before this, when the crowd is reacting, I think it's interesting how each of them thinks about Mm, this news. Like, Fugo and the quiet guy both think to themselves about how they they knew uh, uh, Bruno would be Capo one day and, like, good for him. Although one of them in terms of, ah, yes, my prediction is coming true. And the other, like, yeah, man, you deserve it, bro. (laughs) Yeah. While while Mista is just real excited for, is just real excited to go play pirate and have this sailing adventure, mm-hmm. and Narancia is the only one who talks out loud, asking, "Where exactly is it hidden, though? Where on this island are we going?" Yeah, and that's when he he falls down and gets dragged through a drain, apparently, because because they go check out where he was last seen, lift open a hatch, and it's just. It, but it's not a hatch down. It, it's just like a little bit of storage mm-hmm. with like bilge drainage in case of rain. Where Where is the boy? Where yeah. is the small boy? His A single shoe of his is there and that's it. Um, and so everyone's just like, okay, Narancha, what the fuck? Where'd you go? And they all start searching the boat. Uh, and then Mista disappears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Fugo goes to check on Mista down deck, and so he opens up a hatch to go down, and then he disappears. And so now that there's only three left, they're like, okay, some bullshit is afoot. We all need to stick together. This is when we finally hear Abaccio's name said out loud. (laughs) Yep. So there's a bit here where they're, like, talking out their battle strategy, and they're, like, Mm -hmm, all mm -hmm. in formation with their backs to each other. And the entire environment around them is spinning faster and faster and faster. <laughs> so so as they are sticking together now, looking for clues, they do see that the passage below deck is torn wide open. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, th- this boat has severe damage. I don't know. 
Is is the security deposit also on the house? I, I don't mm. know how that works when, when they get back. But Bruno is pretty sure it's another member of Passione trying to get the treasure, picking off the crew to scare him and make him talk. Yeah. Uh, while Giorno is sure that the missing three are all still alive somewhere on the boat. Yeah, he he had turned Narancia's shoe from earlier into a fly, hoping yes. for it to return to its owner, and it's kind of near the air. It's just flying back and forth in a holding pattern where the, the boat has kind of been torn open a bit. Because flies are stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Giorno's rationale is like, Narancia is like there where the fly is, but there's something weird going on that the fly can't return to Narancia. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just hovering at the location where he should be. And and so Bruno is like, okay, I know how we're going to do this. Abaccio, it's time to bring your stand out. You're the man for this job. And Abaccio is not ready to commit like that because how can he trust Giorno? Yeah. It's, this is where we really get into it, that this is an undercover story, at least for now, where everyone, okay, we, we might have fun together, you know, breaking each other's shit and, and, mm-hmm. and having some pranks. But at the end of the day, I don't fucking know you. And, yeah. and to know my stand when I don't know yours is to have power over me. I know you can drink pee, but I don't know <laughs> what you can do in a fight. Yeah. So yeah, Abakio ain't doing shit, and uh, I believe he calls Giorno a coward, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and so Giorno's like, oh, for fuck's sake, okay, time for interview number two. Uh, here, Here's all my fucking JoJo-ass convictions and, and bravery and stuff. Uh, I'm going to run straight towards where that fly is. So a tentacle arm grabs his ass. <laughs> yeah. And another stabs him with a rapier through the brat through the back. Yep, clean through. And then a bunch of wrinkles spread over his face. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. This spurs Abakio into action. Like, oh, all right, new guy got fucked up. I guess I do have to do what I'm told. Let's go. And that's the end of the episode, or rather, yeah. the the episodio. Yeah, like you you see Abakio. The very last thing that happens is he pulls out his stand. Of course, it's only like the face of the stand, so you can't see too much of it. But yes, next next episode we'll we'll start to see some of the the stands of the the rest of the group, especially Abakios. And yeah, that's that's the end of the three episodes for this week. Now that we've met some people, mm-hmm. I want to replug some stuff from past uh, uh, guest Sarah, yes. who after they were on the show and before we got to part five started producing uh, knitwear inspired by the patterns of uh, the, the Passione crew here. Mm-hmm. So if you want to get a, a cardigan or a hat in uh, uh, Bruno's like uh, black and white keyhole pattern, or you want to get Mista's lattice as, as a knit hat, you can do that among a lot of other JoJo things. That's sarahmcclintock.com slash knitwear to, to uh, uh, look at all of these patterns. You, you can get a, a aura, aura, aura scarf. That's pretty cool. Yeah, they're pretty cool looking. I'm a little tempted. I don't know. I like some of the patterns on the part five dudes. <laughs> I could not wear any of their outfits and pull it off, nor would I even want to try, but I kind of like the weird little teardrop patterns on bruno's stuff 
it's interesting in part five how you you get a decent amount of time with a small amount of characters so you really get to like kind of know Jorno mm-hmm, and know mm-hmm. that he's the first jojo willing to murder if he thinks it's good yeah yeah like you would think that jotaro is that type and like he killed a few people but it was always in the heat of battle and frankly yeah. less than you think because there's so many times where the narrative is like yeah but they were fine though <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just got like blasted off into the sky like Team Rocket. It it takes ten minutes for someone to die of decapitation. They're actually better off than you think they are. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but it's also interesting that we're getting the, the antihero who's like, you know what, premeditated trap murder is fine by me. Mm-hmm. When at least in U.S. comics, the pendulum was swinging far away from that. Like this is yeah. being published at the same time as Kingdom Come, all about like. Is that really what we want our superheroes to be like, though? Come on, guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense, though, when it's like, this guy's good, but he's still the son of Dio. Mm -hmm, Maybe there mm -hmm. is a little bit of Dio in him there somewhere. And it's the premeditated murder part. (laughs) And also, I think it's a fun setup at the start here to like, okay, we got Giorno, we got Bruno. They're in together on like this new mission. The rest of the gang has no idea about this let's kill our boss mission yeah yeah i'm excited and already and already preparing to be disappointed (laughs) by the whole undercover aspect and vibe we're having right now i would like to see so many stand fights that also work on the extra logic of how Mm. do i help this guy without showing him what i can do Right, right. I that that is such a fun extra wrinkle, and I am guessing that by the time we're done talking about next week's episodes, everybody's perfectly hunky dory. <laughs> They'll probably know we're yeah. out to kill the boss by then. I'm gonna be a little disappointed. We we didn't fully explore that vibe as much as I wanted, but yeah, I, I'm I'm just going to to live in the now. <laughs> yep. And there there's there's even the extra wrinkle on top of that wrinkle of even though Giorno and Bruno are in on this secret mission, the rest of the gang is, Bruno doesn't know that Giorno fucking killed Popo. Yeah, but I don't think he'd mind. I don't think he and Popo yeah. were tight like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's a fun twist to the usual like JoJo gang you get by around this point of any new part. But yeah, it is kind of different and also overwhelming to get one of the biggest JoJo like main casts introduced almost entirely at once. <laughs> like we haven't had six main members that are with each other at all times, basically, since Stardust Crusaders. And one of those six was a dog that didn't talk much. Yeah. And usually one was dead. <laughs> yeah. 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 You've got six whole dudes like at the same time right now. <laughs> so it's a lot. We haven't, uh, I I think last week we didn't talk enough about the um, change in art style for part five. Yes, yeah. Because in part, I think it it isn't as stark as the part three, part four change. I think that's the biggest immediate change. But um, Mm -hmm. I guess if I were to, to describe it quickly, it would be that everyone's character designs are much more aggressive. Yeah. I, I think the way noses are drawn is a really good case in point because noses don't have outlines. Yes. They are only yeah. defined, one, by the, the thin uh, uh, line, vertical lines, like showing the, the curve of the bridge of the nose that's brought up from part four, but also the shadow underneath, which is mm-hmm. just an angular polygon that also includes the, the nostrils, which are just pointy little blades. <laughs> yes. 
everything is very pointy, all of the details. Very, very aggressive, very pointy. Yeah. There's also like a, a smaller new detail is just the fact that there's a lot more um, like small accent lines. Yes. Pe- uh, on people's facial features and their on their hands and stuff. Um, they don't quite have the sharp cheekbones that part three did, but they kind of halfway come back. Everyone has like lines down their cheeks now, at least. And uh, at least in more detailed moments and more close-up moments, uh, like those long vertical lines are actually a series of very, very short horizontal lines. Yeah. Like everyone's eyes are a little more like accentuated now because everyone has very luscious eyelashes now. Like the outlines for on people's eyes are a lot thicker now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's maybe not as colorful as part four was, but when... We haven't quite seen too many examples of it yet, but when the show really goes for it, it extremely goes for it in a way that even <laughs> part four does not. And yeah, like like aside from just that art direction too, like we are going even further into uh, the, the change in body types, uh, especially for the main characters. Like people are still ripped, but kind yes. of in like a lean, sleek way. We've We've gone from a hunk to twink entirely. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, tra- the transformation is complete. Um, <laughs> like, yeah, everyone here is 130 pounds of the most muscle you've ever seen. Yeah, everyone's dehydrated. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a smaller change, but still pretty noticeable if you like flip between part four and five. Oh, yeah, y- you know where you are for sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, the, the choice to show Napoli and, you know, the Bay of Naples now in very, like, representational, very, like, these are the colors things would be in the real world instead of, you know, green skies and purple streets. But yeah, at their most beautiful, at their most, uh, like, saturated, like... Yeah. <laughs> the, the way uh, uh, some animes do food, uh, this is doing <laughs> Naples, you know? It's... Yeah, it's extremely idyllic. It's, it's all the photos you see on a tourist website for Naples to, like, make you go there. For sure. For sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it's probably how Iraqi... <laughs> There's no way Iraqi did not go here, right? Because <laughs> he, he, it's been noted before that he likes to travel to places he's going to write stories in when he can. And, like... If he didn't go before writing, he convinced himself to go after. Like, yeah, this place seems really cool that I made up. Yeah, yeah. Like, this dude fucking has loved Italy from the very f- beginning. Of, yeah, I'm, of I'm waiting JoJo. for us to get pasta fight round two. Uh, more more oh, noodles yeah. thrown through wine glasses, please. <laughs> God, just imagine if, like, some other descendant of the Zeppeli family popped up in this. Didn't he have brothers that were also orphaned by a shitty dad? He did, yes. Yeah. There's some Zeppelis out there. Mm-hmm. We, we gotta could, be. We could go to Rome. We could find them. You know... I've been thinking, like, the way Mm -hmm. that uh, uh, supporting casts, as we move from part to part, as we move down the timeline, just go away, right? Mm -hmm. Like, the the, the JoJo's will come back, but usually their friends don't. Koichi's Mm -hmm. a very special boy. but (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But what I mean to say is, Lisa Lisa never died, in the text at least. Yeah. She could still just be hanging out on her fucking private island if she, yeah, if she continued to practice hormone, unlike Joseph, then she's probably still kicking. And boy, what kicks they were. Oh, man. <laughs> yep. But yeah, it's it's also kind of interesting to see, like, we're five episodes in, and we've actually only done, what, two stand fights? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bruno and then Black Sabbath, and, and that's it. 
And, you know, we're, we're in the prelude to a third. Some Somebody is yeah. stealing the boys. Mm-hmm. That That's what the boys season three is going to be about. Somebody stealing the boys. <laughs> I really like the Black Sabbath fight as just being a pretty simple, like, beginner stand. Yeah, yeah. He just looks really cool. Also, the idea that this entire mafia is made of either people who are incredibly fastidious about lighters or people mm-hmm. who uh, survived the stand arrow and were like, yes, I want to be in the super mafia, please. <laughs> those those are the only two ways to pass. God, I just love that you can't be a gangster unless you have a ghost. Or you're really, really good at tending flames. Or you're flames. really good. And then you feel like a chump because you don't have a ghost power and everyone else does. And you don't even know what the fuck is happening half the time. Like, there, there's even a moment where uh, uh, Pulpo sees Giorno come back with the lighter and he's like, yeah, okay, you passed. I have no way of knowing which way you pass. I, I can't mm-hmm. see through Black Sabbath's eyes. So uh, it's, right. it's all the yeah. same to me. Right, yeah. I forgot that there's a part where he remarks after, like, Giorno leaves with the the badge he was given he's just like no idea if he got a stand or not but i guess it doesn't fucking matter it's so easy to treat to trick young people into joining the mafia <laughs> doesn't matter either way there's always more you you remarked on this in the previous episode but five episodes in this is probably the consistently weirdest jojo has been absolutely absolutely turning the lamp into a snake drinking pee with a jellyfish a vegetarian tooth. snake <laughs> yeah Steak that likes bread, killing a man with a banana that's secretly a gun, mm-hmm. and when you peel the banana, it makes a cocking sound. That's my first sign to put down the banana. Yeah. You know, rip to Pulpo, but I'm different. <laughs> Part five keeps being weird in that way. Like, a lot of it is just in thanks to Golden Experience being the weirdest power a JoJo could have, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we haven't gotten a ton of time with the 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 four new boys this episode it feels like we got a rowdy group of frat boys here Mm -hmm. like they're always hazing each other and pranking each other and just being loud and obnoxious and like half the time they're antagonistic towards each other like i i do appreciate that cafe scene because we've got four big uh uh, personalities that all very quickly like okay here's the one bullet point you need to know now Yep. We're, we're going to do more later, but, f- but here you go. And like, yeah, I, I know who these guys are. I'm going to mm-hmm. learn more about them and more wrinkles. I, I, I hope. God, God, I hope. But yes. I'm good for now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's definitely more to them for sure. But yeah, it's it's a really solid intro. It always, it it seems like an incredibly hard thing to, to even try to execute, let alone pull off decently of just like, I've got four new crazy ass people. How do I introduce them all quickly, all at once? <laughs> instead of piecemeal like like usual it's, it's exciting that we'll, we'll be getting to their stand powers soon because they're all pretty neat and once i know what all their stands look like and do i will understand the op finally <laughs> <laughs> yep i think one of them's got a little plane that's fun even though you see their stands in the op some of them do a thing where you're like i don't know what it did <laughs> I don't know what that stand does, even though it just did what it does on screen. <laughs> this guy came out of a zipper and did punches. I understand. Clearly, This yes. guy exploded when it screamed. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I don't know. Th- this is, like you said, this is the weirdest JoJo's part so far. The most bizarre. But like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of bizarre stuff in the world. <laughs> yeah. there's There are weirder things than this. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Y'all watching Raised by Wolves? I have not, no. Okay, all right. So uh, uh, this is spoilers up to the second to last episode of season two. Uh, By Mm -hmm. the time this comes out, you've had plenty of time to catch up on it if you wanted to. But all right, so... Uh, what just happened on Raised by Wolves is a, a giant flying snake around 50, 60 feet long uh, okay. uh, ate a tree that until the day before was was a lady, but then a seed fell into her palm, and then she dug a hole and turned into a giant tree overnight. Okay. Uh, also, some of the people in the village are eating fruit that looks like human brains that falls from the lady tree, but they don't know it's a lady cool. tree. So so the giant <laughs> snake comes down from the sky and swallows the, the lady tree in a single bite, and then it turns into a tentacle monster and starts killing people because it's really jealous over its brother. See, the snake was born. Uh, its mom is a robot that did a coup uh, to, to start running the the uh, atheist encampment. See, the atheists are at war with the sun worshippers. Yeah. And this wow. isn't even touching the feral, acid-breathing merman uh, that kidnapped an infant. See, this this lady was having her baby on the seashore because she wanted to throw the baby into the boiling acid ocean because she didn't <laughs> want the baby. <laughs> yep. And then it got stole by a merman, and that made her want the baby. But then uh, her, her adopted older brother, because she got kidnapped by the robots, so they're all siblings now... <laughs> There's a lot of weird stuff in the world, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. this is, if not a mainstream show, it is a, a live action show presented for, you know, thinking considerate adults sold <laughs> under the name of uh, Ridley Scott, who is a mainstream guy. Not all of his projects yeah. are, but like... <laughs> oh my God. Incredible. I like it. <laughs> I think I might need to watch that show. I want to see... The brain tree. The stuff I really like about it is all of the, like, interpersonal uh, uh, drama around all of the wild shit that happens and just the the very, very Ridley Scott way that people have huge, powerful, uh, uh, boiling emotions inside, but show <laughs> that through very flat affect. Huh, okay. That's, that seems very distinctly Scott-ian. <laughs> Sorry, what is this called again? It's called Raised by Wolves. I might check that out. Uh, the second season starts with one character asking another to permanently seal her six nipples. So. <laughs> no one's ever sealed my nipples. What's going on here? Well, as far as I know, you don't have six. It, it, well, it... if we ever run out of JoJo. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but we haven't. We have not yet run out of Jojo's Bizarre Adventure. Next week, we will return with three more. Episodio Sei, Moody Blues Counterattack, uh, and uh, Episodio Sete e Oto, Sex Pistols Appears, Parts 1 and 2. Yeah, Sex Pistols. But yeah, until then, see you later. To be continued. To be continued.